You're listening to Enclave Community Church. For more information about Enclave, please visit us online at enclavecc.com. All right. Good morning, everyone. Hope you guys are doing well. That was a nice long announcement. That's all right. It's, it's like, okay, I can cut some out of my uh, sermon now. Nice. Um, <laughs> so this morning, I'm going to be talking about the fear of the Lord, as it mentions here. And I know one of my previous sermons that everyone totally remembers, I probably did it like three years ago, um, you know, ever, fresh in your memory, right? It was uh, dealing with uh, some of the attributes of God. You know, God is infinite. He's immutable. It means he never changes. That he's omnipotent, um, omnipotent, sorry. Uh, he's all-powerful. Omniscient, I heard my wife laugh at me, mispronouncing that name. Omnipresent, he's everywhere. You know, wise, he's faithful, he's good, he's just, he's holy and gracious and loving. But one way to describe God that I always thought was weird, in Genesis, he's described as the fear of Isaac. In Genesis 31, actually, verses 42 and 53, if the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you surely would have sent me away empty-handed. Or if I skip down to 53, may the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob took an oath in the name of the fear of his father, Isaac. Now, I know we fear a lot of things in this life, right? Crime, accidents, devastating storms like the one in Florida, viruses, Oh, we haven't had to deal with any viruses lately, right? That's chemical weapons, mass murders, terrorists, earthquakes. That's a little bit closer to home here in California. Even demons and Satan himself. But why would we fear our loving Heavenly Father? You know, this morning I do want to talk about the fear of the Lord. And, and my three points are this. What the fear of the Lord is not what the fear of the Lord is. And I'll take a look at just a few of the verses, or a few of the words that describe the fear of the Lord. And then lastly, some of the blessings that come about fearing the Lord. And so let's start with what the fear of the Lord is not. And by looking at that, I'm actually going to look at the Oxford Dictionary, how they define fear. You know, fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. I mean, this is definitely what comes into my mind when I think of fear, right? It's this uh, negative connotation. Um, I could tell you a couple of things that I fear. I fear snakes. I don't know if anyone has any phobias out there. Uh, ever since I was a kid, I was, I've always had a phobia of snakes. My kids make fun of me for it. But um, yeah, growing up, and I grew up around this area, I was kind of out in the almond orchards. Anytime I would see a snake, honestly, I would, uh, I would go into, a, sorry, sorry for the animal lovers out there, I'd go into kill mode. Like I had to kill it. And, and I know, if you know phobias, they're irrational, but like, even if I saw it out in the orchard, like mentally I was thinking that snake's gonna come back and come into my room and bite me. So I had to kill it. Well, let me tell you another fear. I have a fear of not being in control, especially when it comes to uh, my kids being sick. 
Like, anytime my kids are sick, I just get like, oh, man, should I take them to the hospital? You know, my wife's like, nah, it only has a cold, so I think, I think her kids will be okay. But I just, like, have this overwhelming sense, and I know it's, I want to think of it's coming from a good place, but I think it's even coming from a bad place of how would this affect my life if something bad was to happen. You know, we have these negative connotations when it comes to fear. And in fact, there are instances of this negative fear that does not produce result, good results throughout the Bible. Uh, just a couple of verses, just handpicked. Um, in James 2.19, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Or in Matthew 25, verse 25, the unprofitable servant was corrected for being wicked and lazy after he made the excuse, I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground instead of using it productively. Even in uh, Revelations 21, verse 8, um, it tells us that the cowardly or the fearful in the King James Version will not be in God's kingdom. You know, such fear does not give us a positive end. Obviously, this is not the fear of the Lord. This is not the fear that God wants us to have. So I guess it begs the question, what kind of fear does God want us to have? And in dealing with the nature of the fear of the Lord, the very first problem we face is the English language, to be honest, because it does not tell us what type of fear to have in focus. We have like this, this um, shallow look at what it means to fear. In fact, when we come to the book of, uh, or the Hebrew language, there's over um, 17 different words used to describe fear. Now, each word is not a simple synonym, meaning you could just replace one with the other. They have different shades of meaning. There is definitely overlap between some of these words, and we'll actually see some of this overlap here. But they describe fear in different ways. And so, like, when we talk about the fear of the Lord or when we read the fear of the Lord, we just think about the English version of fear. And so what I'd like to do is take a look at some of the Hebrew words for fear this morning. Again, I said there was 17 different words used. Uh, we're just going to look at five, okay, because I, I definitely want to get us out of here before lunch. Okay. So let's take a look at the first word. And the first word is uh, pronounced gur. It describes uh, the fear of the, uh, that we should have of God. In Psalm 22, verse 23, you who fear the Lord, praise him, all you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you descendants of Israel. Or in Psalm 33, verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. You know, in their respective contexts, the word means to turn aside from the normal pursuits of life and come into the presence of God. Once we are standing in his presence, our attitude should be one of wonder and reverential awe at the power and majesty of our creator and sovereign ruler of the universe. You know, it emphasizes within this word that we must stand before God with the right attitudes. Now, I know in this church, uh, when we do worship music, we're not requiring you to stand, but you've probably been to many churches that have, right? 
And when we read God's word at the start, a lot of times we ask that you stand when we read God's word. I think this standing, it's pointing back to the early church that understood that we are to stand in awe of a glorious and wonderful God. And so the next time you do stand in church, whatever the case may be, that you think about this majestic, holy, sovereign ruler. Our next word I want to look at is pronounced cool. And that sounds like cool. Cool. Uh, this word's very interesting. The original root meaning of the word means to whirl or writhe in pain. It was used to describe such painful situations as a woman giving birth. You know, as the, the pregnant woman approaches the time to give birth, she rises and cries out in her labor pains, as it mentions in Isaiah 26, verse 17. It was also used uh, when, when Saul was shot with arrows, like the pain he felt from being pierced. It was also described as the inward dread or anxiety and terror that gripped the Canaanites when they heard the Israelis were coming in Deuteronomy chapter 2. Now, this word is used for the man's fear of God five times in the Bible and is translated in, as tremble in four of them. In 1 Chronicles 16.30, tremble before the Lord, all the earth. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. Or in Psalms 96 verse 9, Worship the Lord in a holy attire. Tremble before him, all the earth. In Psalms 114, verse 7, Tremble, O earth, before the Lord, before the God of Jacob. In Jeremiah 5, verse 22, Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble in my presence? For I have placed the sand as a boundary for the sea, an eternal decree, so you cannot cross over it. Though the waves toss, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot cross over it. Well, there's one verse where it wasn't translated as tremble. It was in Psalms 37, verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in this way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Now, it may seem like the fret is where the word cool was translated, it actually wasn't. It was wait patiently. And it kind of seems weird that this word that's usually translated as tremble was translated as wait patiently. But I bet every mother, as I mentioned before, who whirled and writhed in pain when it comes to labor, can tell you that they were also waiting patiently for the joy of childbirth. Sometimes in life, we go through painful situations, but God has us wait patiently on him. We all know, we, we all know this life is not pain-free. We all go through painful situations. And sometimes the fear of the Lord is not, we, we may ask for deliverance from the pain, but sometimes we need to wait patiently in the pain to wait for God's grace and mercy you know, when, when, when Christians are pressed in the wine press, sweet wine comes forth, right? He, he helps us become more like him through trials and tribulations. 
And so when we are in the midst of these painful situations and we're trembling, that we must wait patiently for that good and holy and perfect God. Well, the next word I want to look at, it is yare. Uh, this is probably the, the most general word for fear that was used in Hebrew and uh, for fear in the Old Testament. It can have uh, both a positive and a negative connotation, just depending on the context of how the word was used. It's used, more the, uh, it's used for the fear of the Lord more than 180 times. So let's take a look at all 180. No. <laughs> now, that was just for the fear of the Lord, but it was also used in other senses uh, throughout the Bible. It was used in a negative sense. Um, when Abraham was afraid to let his people know that Sarah was his wife because he feared for his life, in Genesis, that, you, that word was used. To be afraid of burning to death is another example of that usage that was found in Deuteronomy. It was in this sense that Moses was afraid to look upon God because he assumed to see that the essential glory of God meant instant death. As it mentions in Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, and God God, he said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Yahweh is also translated as trembling in the presence of God in Psalm 119. I mean, it's in the sense that it means to be literally terrified of God. As it mentions in Habakkuk uh, chapter 3, verse 2, Lord, I have heard the report about you, and I fear. Oh, Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. And so it's used sometimes in this negative connotation, but it's also used in a positive sense. And I can tell you throughout the Psalms, this, uses, used, uh, this word is used a bunch, and it's, um, it's really great to see some of these verses. In Psalms uh, 34, verse 9, Oh, fear the Lord, you his, you his saints. For those who fear him, there is no want. Psalm 86, verse 11, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Psalms 112, verse 1, Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Psalms 119, verse 63. I am a companion of all those who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. You know, Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 14. I know that everything God does will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it and there's nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. You notice that this fear of God is a reverential fear. It is a fear based on the rightful pedestal that God belongs on. It's not like a fear we usually think of in the English language. It's a fear of knowing how far apart we are from a perfect, holy, and majestic God. You know, I, I think of it this way. You ever think about the day when we'll first get to see God in heaven, right? either when, when Jesus comes down or more likely than not when we pass away from this life. We're going to like run up to God and give him a fist bump, right? Forearm bash, I don't know. High five, no. I think most of us would think that we're going to come up to him and give him like the biggest holy hug ever. 
right? Cry out to him. And I, honestly, the more I was thinking about it, I actually think that's the second thing we'll do. I think the first thing that I will do is I will be in fear. Because for the first time, I will see something perfect. I will see something so glorious and so holy, so set apart from anything I've ever experienced. That's going to show me how much of my life I've wasted, how sinful I truly am. And I'll see this depth, this distance of how far apart. I think sometimes we think of God as just like almost like this super awesome guy. He's like Captain America, right? He's this super awesome individual, but like he's so much more. And when we see that difference, I think we're going to tremble. And this understanding of how far short we truly fell it's going to make the grace of God more meaningful. I know, I know we are all so thankful for what the Lord has done in each of our lives. But I think even how much we, we, we are thankful, when we see God in person for that first time, the depths of that mercy, it's going to be infinitely multiplied. Our hearts will be so overflowed that we will cry out, Abba, Father, and we will give him then that great holy hug. Our next word is the Hebrew noun, yira. It is a noun, it is a fear of a thing or person. If you're looking at the word, again, part of it is this fear of respect and reverence. And it's a fear and a reverence that's produced from God's word. Here's just a couple examples of this noun in action. In Psalms 119, verse 38, establish your word to your servant as that which produces reverence in you. Or in Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord, the noun, is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance are the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. Or Proverbs 15, verse 33, the fear of the Lord, the noun, is the instruction for wisdom. And before honor comes humility. Very similar to, the, to Yare in these shades of this reverence. I do want to take a look at one word in the New Testament. These were, those previous ones were all in Hebrew. Uh, this last word is phobos. It's a, a Greek noun. And it's kind of like the general noun for fear in the New Testament. And um, in the Greek, the fear of God in the New Testament embraced all of the emotions of the human heart. The Greek noun phobos can mean reverential fear of God, but also just inward dread. Just, it's kind of like Yahweh has different shades of meaning depending on the context. But this type of positive, productive fear that Luke described in the early church. In Acts 9, verse 31, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Or in Luke's chapter 7, verse 16, fear gripped them all, and they began glorifying God, saying, a great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. 
2 Corinthians 5, verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. Ephesians 5, verse 21, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Ephesians 6, verse 5, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. 1 Timothy 5.20, those who continue in sin, rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest will also be fearful of sinning. You know, when the Bible talks about fearing God, it's usually referring to an attitude of reverence and respect not outright terror. Although we have this negative connotation when we see the word fear. The main Hebrew and Greek words translated fear in the Bible can have several shades of meaning. But in context of fearing the Lord, they only convey a positive reverence. And so rather than a paralyzing terror, the positive fear of the Lord taught in the Bible is a key element in change. It helps us have a proper and humble perspective of ourselves in relation to our awesome God. It helps us in times of temptation when we need to remember the serious consequences of disobeying God. And it motivates us to become more like our loving creator. And so this last point I want to talk about is some of the blessings from fearing the Lord and looking at some of these verses. And the first blessing is this, forgiveness. You know, sadly, we all fall short of perfection. We all do. We all deserve eternal separation from God. We all deserve the death penalty. Now, if everyone was just going to die forever, what would be the purpose of fear? Sure, we might be depressed. We might be terrified. But is that what God really wants? Consider this passage. If you, O oh Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Psalms 130, verses 3 and 4. God's offer of forgiveness to those who repent gives us a reason to fear, a reason to change. It gives us a reason to be eternally grateful and to grow in love be more like our loving God. The second eternal benefit of fearing the Lord is in knowledge. As I was mentioning this morning about the fear of the Lord, a couple of people were quoting me this verse. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Why? I mean, consider the words of this, the psalmist. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and a good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever in Psalm 111 verse 10. Like when we fear the Lord, we want to know him more, right? If we really put him on that pedestal, that rightful pedestal that he deserves to be on, we're not going to forget about him. We are going to want to know everything we can about our Lord and Savior. And furthermore, fearing the Lord makes us not only want to know more, but it takes it a step further in wanting to obey Him 
It's knowledge applied, which in the Hebrew means wisdom. In Job 28, verse 28, we read, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to part from evil is understanding. In Isaiah 33, verse 6, He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. In Exodus 20, verse 20, Moses attempts to calm the people after they experience the mighty presence of God at Mount Sinai. Moses reassures them by saying, don't be afraid for God has come in this way to test you so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. Psalm 37, King David also tells us about learning the fear of the Lord. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. A healthy fear of the Lord includes the fear of consequences of disobedience. You know, there may be times when we're in temptation and trial and we can rely upon the love of God. There's other times where it may seem far from us and we need to think about the consequences of sin what separation means, right? We are saved by grace. We are eternally saved. But we need to think about the consequences of disobeying the one true God, right? Psalms 86, verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I might walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. You know, the reverence of God helps us to take him and his beneficial laws seriously. And so the fear of the Lord not only brings about forgiveness, it makes us want to know him more. It makes us want to obey him more, but it's also going to bring about love. It's going to give us more love. This reverential fear of the Lord is designed to help us to grow, to become more like God, who is love. As the Apostle John put it, in 1 John 4, verses 17 and 18, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. That first may seem exactly the opposite of what I've been preaching on right now, Right? But what what would I start with? The different shades of fear. And it was in this, um, the context that this shade of fear was meaning a negative connotation. It was uh, meaning within this, a slavish fear, which was not to characterize the Christian's relation to God. It was actually in the same shade of meaning that was applied to the word fear in Romans 8, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Though we are to voluntarily yield ourselves as bondservants or slaves to God, he is not an abusive, cruel slave driver who terrorizes and torments us. That's kind of the point of this verse. Now, some misunderstand and think that God's love casts out not only fear, but law. 
However, John explains that God's laws actually define God's love. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome, in 1 John 5, 3. Remember how I talked about earlier that the fear of the Lord makes you want to keep his commandments? And that love is that we keep his commandments. They are connected. The fear of the Lord produces obeying him more. It produces overflowing love as we're letting God in ourselves, right? It's a circle that when we are loving God and putting our trust on him, it makes us want to obey him more and he gives us more love to help us to follow him more. God wants his laws written on our heart. We are saved by grace, but he does want us to know his laws and to put it in our hearts, right? What I mean is, even if there was no chance of being caught, we would not want to steal. Why? Because we love God and we love others and we do not want to steal, right? We must never lose our respect and appreciation for God, but we should grow beyond being motivated solely by fear, but rather being motivated by God's love and having a deep love and respect for him and his words. Well, the last point I want to bring, you know, having this fear of the Lord brings about forgiveness, makes us want to know him more, makes us want to obey, of, obey him more, gives us love but it also gives us life. In Proverbs 23, verses 17 and 18, do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day, for surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. Or in Proverbs 14, verse 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. To turn one away from the snares of death. Proverbs 19, 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. You know, the fear of the Lord will keep us in awe of him. It, it leads us to want to know him. It leads us to worship him by keeping his commandments. It leads us to know true forgiveness and unconditional love. It brings us into a relationship with the creator of the universe in whom we will spend eternity in loving union with him and fellow believers. You know, I was talking in, um, earlier about a couple of fears I had, which were kind of, I think, motivated by self. I had a fear of snakes, a fear of being in control. Let me tell you one other fear I have, which I do believe is a good reflection of what we need. I, I fear disappointing my wife and kids. Now, that fear, I know part of it is negative-based, like on my reputation, but it's more than that. I fear letting them down because I love them so much. And I do let them down. I'm human, right? That happens. But I want to provide the best I can for my family. And I put them on this pedestal. Sometimes it's an unfair pedestal, I'll be honest. But I put them on this pedestal and I want to serve them. 
And how much more, guys, should we be putting God on the ultimate pedestal that we fear disappointing him? Again, we are saved by grace. We are going to stumble and fall. But when we have the fear of the Lord, that means we are putting God in his rightful place and we want to serve him because he is holy. He is just. He is omnipotent. He is everything. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just are eternally grateful for you. And God, when we read in the Bible, the fear of the Lord, let us not just think about it in terms of the English word fear and skip over it because we love you and how could we fear you? Lord, that we understand this fear of the Lord is a righteous trembling of understanding who you are, God. And that rightful understanding of who you are makes it even more glorious, God, that you sent your son, perfect in every way, to come to earth. That you sent your son, that Jesus had to die for our sins and rise again, that we may know life. God, we are so eternally grateful. In your name we pray. Amen. And one of the ways we are eternally grateful as a congregation, we do communion. And it's of this way that we are recognizing not only who God is, but who Jesus Christ is and the saving work that he has done in our life. Again, all those perfect attributes of God are the same with Jesus. He was perfect in every way. And he came to earth and had his body broken for us. He laid out a perfect plan because we do not deserve to be with him. But he is so good and just. He laid out his perfect plan that we may have loving union. And so let's take this body, this cracker, representing the body, and do this in remembrance of him. And it was in this perfect, uh, this perfect plan that Jesus died. His blood was spilt. But he defeated sin. He defeated death so that we may know the perfect and holy God. When we take this cup, I want you to remember how far above God is than us and how great his mercy truly is. Let's take Dear Heavenly Father, we are not worthy, but we are so grateful for your mercy. God, we are eternally yours. Lord, just flow through us. Make your will be known throughout all the earth, God. We just thank you and love you so much.
In your name we pray. Amen.